Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second edition of the Northern Stars' new podcast, The Headliners. On this show, we'll discuss the biggest national sports stories and give you the perspective of the Stars' sports staff. I'm the assistant sports editor, Kobe Price, along with sports editor, Jace Eustace. Hey, what's going on? Sports writer, James Krause. It's good to be back again. And joining the show this week is fellow sports writer, Justin Kelly. Hey, what's going on? How's it, how you guys feeling? Oh, I'm feeling good. Good, good, I'm good. I'm ready to get going, bro. Ready to get going. All right, let's go. We'll start with the Sweet 16. The field is set in the NCAA's men's tournament finals. Some teams surprised and upset their way in a while. For some, they struggled by how hard they had to play to get to this point. After the first weekend, what teams are you guys high on with a few games to go? And who are you second-guessing? <laughs> I well, think it, it's right. easy for people to second-guess Duke after the, the close game they had with uh, UCF. But I think people coming out of that game are probably more impressed with UCF than than maybe they thought coming in. So I'm not uh, I'm not worried about them necessarily. One team I am worried about, uh, and I think is just worried about every, has everyone worried just because of what happened last year and how they've played so far is Virginia. Uh, they're going against a dangerous Oregon team who is who upset their way out of the first round and then beat a good uh, UC Irvine team to get into the Sweet 16. That could be a dangerous game for Virginia. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm not too worried about Duke in itself. They had a tough game. They had a tough matchup, especially playing against someone who's seven foot six down low. <laughs> you know, I don't care how dominant you know in the college game Zion's been. Like Taco, he's gonna he's gonna make an impact on that game. Um, personally, the person the team that I'm kind of worried about right now is Gonzaga, and I feel like they've kind of gone under the radar. Yeah, yeah, they're the one seed. They've won their two first games, kind of. You know, not really on upset alert, but, you know, this matchup they have with Florida State, you know, Florida State has really proven to me so far in the tournament that, you know, they deserve to be there. They're playing in the toughest conference in the in the country, in AC, the ACC, and they have come to play. You know, they took out uh, Vermont, obviously not a, a tough matchup, but still a good a good team. And then Murray State, they dominated them in the second, in the, the second round. So if anybody's on upset alert for me, right now it's Gonzaga at number one. Uh, <coughs> For me, I would say upset alert. Originally, we were going to say Tennessee against Purdue, but the team that was surprising around is Auburn. Auburn beat Tennessee twice, once in the conference championship game and a week before on senior day. Auburn's playing really good right now, especially when they make threes and stuff like that. They're really competitive. So, Kobe. <clears throat> Man, you know, I told you guys <laughs> last week I had Virginia winning it all. Oh right. Boy. So you can imagine my the fear in my eyes when I see they're down in the first half. <laughs> it's like Gardner, Gardner, Gardner Webb. Web. Yeah. Then they took care of Oklahoma pretty well. So I was like, all right, so we're we're back where we belong. <laughs> but oh, I'm man. I'm not too concerned about them going going against Oregon. Uh, I I think they'll take care of that matchup. Duke, I, I'm not that concerned. We saw that this really is the Zion show. R.J. Barrett can be kind of, not kind of very iffy. Cam Reddish can just disappear from a game, and you're just like you're supposed to be a McDonald's All American. Where are you right now? Gonzaga. <laughs> that's, that's I think the thing that surprised me the most about this Duke team is coming into the year, this was the team that had, you know, three of if not the the five best players in the nation, along with Trey Jones. And it seems like whenever Zion's not on the floor, this team, it, the the offense is so built around Zion. Um, and it's a, a thought I had. It's interesting to see what that means for R.J. Barrett, not even just in this tournament, but in the NBA draft. Yeah, I think among scouts right now, I mean, if you ask most of them, they're looking at Ja, Ja Morant from mm -hmm. Murray State at number two now. And it's nothing against R.J. Barrett. I mean, he's an incredible talent, but 
it just seems like it's Zion or bust for Duke. And especially down the stretch against UNC, like who was the one that was single-handedly keeping it in, keeping them in the game was Zion. I mean, RJ got the last, you know, rebound and put it home. But before then, like he was, you know, like Kobe said, he disappeared. He was very shaky and he's just, you know, it, that, that team is built around Zion and they depend on Zion to win games. To that, to that point, though, I think RJ has the benefit of the doubt in terms of, well, this isn't my team necessarily right now. This is an offense built around Zion Williamson, and we've seen that. I think if he's put in, drafted into a team where he is that number one go-to guy, we could really be able to see some special things out of him. We just don't know yet. And credit to uh, RJ for getting the offensive rebound that Zion missed to even put them ahead uh, against UCF. But also, if you look at the play, if we're going back to look at the play against UCF where they missed the, t- the layup and they missed the tip-in, it was his man who ran behind yeah. him. He was comp- he was still on the yeah. by the three-point line when the when his own man tried to tip it back in. RJ on the def- defensive end is, can be very disappointing. Offensively, you just like you think there would be more. Cam Reddish to me is the one. I'm just like, where are you at? Where he's and just I liked, disappeared. I liked him a lot more than RJ coming into the season. It's like you're not who you were. You're not efficient. You don't seem comp. You're not playing who I thought you would be. Yeah, and you don't want him to force it, but at the same time, you feel like with how that offense is, you know, you should be able to find your shot, especially this late. Like, Zion missed a bunch of games, and without them, like, uh, without him, obviously they struggled. But I feel like Reddish should have been able to find his spot in this offense, and it's just non-existent at this point. <clears throat> so, and then also with Gonzaga against Florida State, I uh, remember Florida State knocked out Gonzaga last season. Granted, Gonzaga is not. Isn't they're a different team? They're a much better team than mm-hmm. they were last year, compares or this year in comparison to last year. But it's a nice little interesting rematch just to uh, just to see if Gonzaga. I think they're for real, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Florida State, but it's gonna be a good test for them. Man, just for your pick, Virginia, like you got, they got lucky. Like to draw the number twelve seed in the Sweet Sixteen when everybody else is facing like a top four seed. Like, yeah. I feel confident in Virginia advancing as well. Like, obviously they struggled, but. I don't know. You got Oregon, a lucky draw almost. Oregon's not a team to sleep on, man. They they won the Pac-12 tournament as like a sixth seed in their own conference tournament. Like they, Domin- I don't know, they, they look for real. Like I don't know. They're <sighs> really starting to get the groove. They have dominated. Yeah. I mean, I will say that they their they defense beat is, up is on Wisconsin. Crappy. Yeah. I mean, and they got UC Irvine, but beat up on them too. Last thing before we move on. Currently, number one amongst uh, sports writers right <laughs> now. In the, the Northern Star oh Bracket Challenge. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm probably close to the bottom. All right, moving on. So, uh, if you guys were watching the tournament this weekend, you probably saw a video of Tom Izzo. Uh, Tom Izzo, um, <clears throat> sorry, Twitter exploded Thursday, and in the days following after the national broadcast of Michigan State versus Bradley in the first round, Tom Izzo was seen yelling at one of his players. Some people have criticized the coaching, but more have come to the defense of the passionate coach. Former players who played under Izzo, such as Draymond Green, Gary Harris, and many have backed up their college coach. So what did you make of the video and subsequent reaction to the legendary coach? I thought nothing of the video. It reminded me of me being a freshman basketball when my coach was yelling at me for not switching on a screen. I didn't think nothing of it. Um, the reaction, I guess, that we live in a different world than we did two years ago or even ten years ago. I guess people have their own opinion. They can stick to it. And I didn't think nothing. It's not like he pulled a Bob Knight, grabbed a chair, and threw it in the middle of the court mm-hmm. at him. Yeah. But, like, I thought nothing of it. Yeah. I, I when Originally, when I watched him, I still feel this way. I don't think he's, like, the worst coach. I, th- I don't think he's like, oh, my gosh, let's get this guy fired. He can't be speaking to his players like that. 
But at the same time, I think we can recognize that there are much better, more effective coaching methods than the one he pulled off. Uh, yes, I understand. We've, if you play sports, you more than likely have been yelled at your coach. And that seems to be accepted in the sports culture, which is neither here nor there. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. But at the same time, we don't have to glorify it and say, oh, my gosh, this is how you coach. This is the perfect way to coach. This is how you. This is the only way to hold players accountable. There are other even more effective, at least scientifically more effective ways to hold players accountable in a way that doesn't uh, require just going up to a player and yelling at them and screaming and getting their attention like that. You have more peaceful, more calm, and generally more respectful ways to go about it. Now, maybe not everybody's personality works that way, and that's just something you have to do based off the person. But to say that there aren't better ways and say that's the only way to do it would be a uh, – we just wouldn't be right. Kobe, uh, Kobe kind of hit the nail on the head. I didn't see a lot – I didn't see a lot of people in the first place complaining about his coaching. I think people, while they may not like it, have learned to accept it. You know, you'll see this – not just in college basketball or even any college sports. You'll see it in professional sports beyond just basketball as well. But you have a lot of people coming to that defense for something that not a lot of people were, were outraged about. It was It's one of these strange sort of reaction to a not outrage outrage uh, where you had all these athletes saying, you know, if, if you're not getting coached like this, then the coach doesn't care about you. And it's like, well, what does that say to coaches who aren't naturally aggressive in that way uh, one of the coaches i think of is is steve kerr steve kerr i haven't seen him necessarily yell at a player or get really up into a player's face uh often or uh, and he's very effective at his job and the same would probably go for for some other coaches out there brad stevens is the ones that comes to my mind like mm-hmm. steve that's kerr, true steve kerr is very competitive he can get get high i mean he broke his clipboard on the yeah. sideline yeah, that's yeah. true but brad times. stevens you never really see him like He's very calm, cool, and collected, and sometimes some people say that's to his uh, to his detriment. But when he pulls out players, he just pulls them out, and he'll tell them those happen. But you don't see him really yelling, not like an extreme, at least not on the sidelines. Now, what goes on behind closed doors in the locker room, we're not sure. But he has his reputation of this calm guy who doesn't really yell a lot, and it's just this is how we this is how I coach. I'm going to be calm about it. I'm going to be respectful about it, and I'm going to tell you what it is, and then you're just going to sit down. And again, no one's calling for him, for Tom Izzo to be fired over him yelling at a player. And and this isn't – I read some report. This isn't the first time the players had to deal with sort of getting yelled at. And it's – and he's learned what the, what that means and, and when he's yelling at him, what he's trying to get from him. What I didn't like also was Tom Izzo's uh, – Tom Izzo and in part just people on Twitter, athletes on Twitter, whoever they may be, extending this beyond more of what it should have been like this should have been a a story that maybe wasn't an issue for more than a day but like tom Izzo in the press conference afterwards made a comment about it and rather than say you know that's just a he the moment thing and that happens he turned it around and made it about the reporter asking the question that almost any other reporter would have asked see the way i see it is you know, maybe they did turn it into a bigger deal than it would have, you know, otherwise should have been. But also, you know, the fact that this happened on a national stage is maybe that, you know, it, it, March Madness, like the Super Bowl, you know, people don't watch college basketball year-round. A lot of people will probably just watch March Madness, and they'll see all these games that are going on, and they'll see, hey, this coach is screaming at this player, but don't realize that, hey, that probably, you know, that's probably happened before in the season. And... You know, kind of contradicting what you say, I kind of, like, 
not coming back at the reporter who asked the question, but when I saw the um, his response to when he was asked about what they did at halftime, and he kind of you know turned into a joke saying, you know, yeah, hey, uh, we just had a group hug and you know we just hugged it out, and I said it's gonna be okay. And that was one of the things that got me upset. Also, is like <laughs> knock it off. Like no one cares anymore, <laughs> and no one should be talking about it beyond that. See, I I I'm I'm a disagreement. I kind of like that personally. I thought it was kind of funny just because. You know, when that happened, you know, you saw commentary from these big names. You saw commentary from, like, uh, SVP on SportsCenter and things like that. He dedicated a segment to it. And when that becomes that big of a deal and, you know, like J- like uh, Justin said, you know, that's the world we live in now where, you know, it's, you know, everybody wins and, you know, every it's a big group hug and stuff. And, it, you know, I kind of liked it. And, yeah, it might have pushed it a little further than it, you know, might have otherwise gone. But personally, I was okay with how his reaction. It, it is interesting, and this kind of transitions uh, into what we talk about now. Uh, a guy who coached under him for a while, it was, it was a guy I wanted to talk to about this whole incident, was Mark Montgomery. He had to face Nate Oates earlier this year and almost had to face him again in the tournament, and now he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, back-to-back men's basketball coach of the year, Nate Oates, is taking his talents and clipboard to Tuscaloosa and he is replacing Avery Johnson as the uh, head basketball coach at uh, Alabama. The announcement came just weeks after signing a five-year extension with Buffalo uh, before winning the MAC title for the third in four seasons. Guys, what are your thoughts on this move and what it means for the MAC? I guess not even at the basketball level, just as a, a where they stand in the ranks of college sports. Well, <clears throat> we kind of know about this personally with, you know, with Rod Carey winning the MAC championship and then leaving for Temple, you know, it, I was about the, to say I've never heard of anything like this. For the MAC in general, it's it's good. I mean, the MAC is I'm sure they're very happy. Yeah, they're losing a great, you know, obviously a great coach that was dominating here, but the MAC in general is getting eyes and they're getting people to pay attention to them and getting people to say, hey, you know, these are legit coaches, these are legit players. So the MAC personally, I'm sure they're excited about it. But I mean, good for coach. I mean, he signed the extension, same thing that Rod Carey did, signed the extension and leave. But, you know, I'm sure the Mac is absolutely enjoying this. And well, in fairness, Rod Carey's his extension was a qualifier. Well, he got it because he won the Mac title. Yeah, yeah, but he his, signed it earlier in the year. So it was like two extensions, yeah. But And then, uh, what was his, uh, Nato's, his extension was just, they just extended him because, like, oh, we love Nato's. Like, <laughs> understandable. Because you're doing great. Because you job. won three titles in four years. Uh, for the Mac, I mean, if the Mac – it's, it's interesting because we're talking about all the coaches that are leaving because you've got Nados who's about to leave, just won the MAC title, about to go to a bigger conference. Uh, and Brock Carey obviously just won his title, going to go to a bigger conference. But there's also been coaches like uh, the one at Akron. He came from Illinois, now he's in Akron. Montgomery, while he wasn't a head coach, he was still an assistant at Michigan State, the associate head coach at Miss- Michigan State. So there's coaches in the MAC that are proven on a high level whether it's as the head coach in other programs or an assistant head coach at major programs. So it's great to have that level of coaching come, I guess, leave the MAC, but then also come back to the MAC. You know, I guess for me, it, it questions for MAC, I guess, it's, I guess a lot of coaches are going to be like, hey, he's out of the conference now, you don't have to compete against him. But for me, if you really like a place, you might as well stay there and make your name even bigger. I know he's wa- been to the tournament three straight years now, but, like, he's got something good going. Like, I know they kind of got beaten up in the second round, but 
like they their team was really really good. I know NIU got them. Yeah, didn't they come in as a seven seed in the tournament? Is that the six? I he, oh. They six? were a six seed. They probably should have been bad. higher. They probably should have yeah. been a fifth. Yeah, or a they should. Yeah, yeah, they were six. But yeah, like I'm all for like if you're there for the long haul. Like he signed the extension, and clearly he's out heading to Texas with Nick Saban, which is really good company and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, Ohio State had that same scenario a couple years ago where they got rid of Thad Mata and brought in their new head coach, and he's brought him to the tournament second year round. Maybe he can do that to Alabama, make him more consistent, and bring. Try to even up with Alabama football, but it's going to be really hard to <laughs> compare to that. To turn Alabama yeah. into a basketball school, school I don't know. It would like be what a happens miracle. To, what happens in Michigan? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Oof. it is. Uh, we talked. We kind of joked like, man, we've never seen anything like this before, and this just happened a few months ago with Rod Carey. But it's a very different situation because I think, I would imagine Buffalo fans are pretty happy right now. And, and NIU fans, when the whole football thing uh, happened, they were coming off of, I guess, what NIU football fans would consider a rough season. Uh, I'd say going a, roller six, a roller coaster. A roller coaster of a season. I was mm. The Buffalo uh, fan base, I, I'd assume, was really happy with NATOs this year and was ecstatic to hear about the extension. And now, just a few days later, after the tournament's done, they're gone. And so the question now is, where does that program go from there? I think it also... I think it's good for the Mac because it it, it it proves that it has a place in terms of it's respected. Like, people respected come out of the conference still. Earlier this year, I was on a, a press conference call with uh, uh, the commissioner of the Mac, John uh, Steinbrecher. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Steinbrecher. <laughs> um, and he was upset at how ESPN or, or – how the media in general, I guess, ranked the Mac in terms of basketball, and he wanted more respect for the Mac. If I'm uh, the commissioner, I'm looking at that and saying, well, it's bad that he's leaving, but it proves sort of his point that the Mac is a very respectable basketball conference if schools from the SEC, arguably the most competitive basketball conference outside of the ACC, is you know, going to us to get their next guy. And for Buffalo, I mean, they're losing three really – three big guys in C.J. Massenburg, Nick Perkins, and Jeremy Harris, all seniors this year. That's going to hurt. And then you lose <laughs> your head coach. The Mac, I mean, <clears throat> they've won three in four years. The Mac's going to be a lot more open going forward than it has been these past, uh, past four years. That's for sure. Speaking of open. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of open <laughs> – after severing ties between the company and Alan Foster after concerns over business practices with the misplacement of $1.5 million, yes, million with an M, Lonzo Ball announced on Instagram this weekend that he has signed with Nike. Ball's manager has called for a boycott of Big Baller brand, and Ball posted another picture on Instagram showing a terrible dice tattoo covering up his old Big Baller brand tattoo. So, guys, what is the biggest takeaway from the Big Baller brand fiasco from the last week or so? <sighs> Finally, like <laughs> I, I, to be honest, like ever since you know LeVar Ball and the the Ball brothers and everything made their name, you know, in the NBA realm, it's just been like, to me, the Big Baller brand has always just seemed like, I I, I don't want to insinuate anything, but you know, like almost like a front, you know, like it's like, right. hey, this we built a company, but it's not really a company, but it's a company, and you should buy our, you know, buy our merchandise, and, and this, even these are my sons, and right, 
it was uh, I actually looked into this earlier. The other uh, BBB, the Better Business Bureau, gave them Fs two years in a row. Really? <laughs> and uh, just reading some of their the stuff that I forgot happened, it, it just like shoes getting shipped out super late and things like that. It's like it's sort of the end of a, a not so glorious era. You would think paying six hundred dollars for some shoes, you would get them next day for free, but I imagine not. And in fact, they get lost in shipping process. That would probably give me a heart attack the next day or whenever they're going to be there. It truly is an end of an era. I mean, you we can say anything about we want about their business practices getting an F on the better. What is it? What better is it? business better bureau. Business. But yeah. they had, but they had a loyalty, loyal following. Yeah, they had a loyal following, and the concept of it was at least awesome because you're thinking all right so now i got these i have these three potential nba players all right let's not talk about uh, <laughs> yeah i have these three potential nba players who are all brothers and we're going to build a brand we're not going to sign with nike we're not going to sign with adidas we're not going to sign with puma we're not going to do another we're going to build our own brand from the ground up based on the talent that's here and or the talent that i have in my household and the idea of it sounds awesome like we're we're, we're going to be a family-oriented company that's what matters. We're a family, and this was going to be, uh, this was going to match for us. But the execution was just, it could have been, it was lacking, lacking. severely from, uh, from the actual shoes, their quality to the misplacing pro- one point five million dollars. That's yeah. more so. <laughs> a per- well, that's bad because of that's more the so partner. personal. The partner. That's more so like that partnership. I'm talking about the actual idea, like yeah, the concept, yeah, yeah. the business, like the partnership. Him having six. 16.3%, I think it was. That blew my mind. I'll, and within that, I was also surprised that LiAngelo and LaMelo didn't have any stake in the company. Like, uh, not too many loves. Lonzo. <laughs> Lonzo had 51%. Yeah. I think LaVar, um, Lonzo's mom, and Alan Foster? Yeah. I was going to say Alan yeah, Houston. Alan, Alan Foster. Foster each had around 16, around that uh, percentage. I was just surprised LiAngelo and LaMelo didn't have uh, a stake in it if they do have it a larger stake in it they may not have been able to because i don't know what uh leangelo's status is with college ball or or lamello's with high LiAngelo's school done. oh LiAngelo's yeah with, done. with oh, college yeah, oh, LiAngelo, yeah. He, he went to a oh, they went oh overseas. yeah they went off they went yeah. overseas i forgot about that well after the mm-hmm. whole ucla debacle that is stealing sunglasses like in China. i can't wait for the 30 for 30 not about lonzo even just about, about the balls the ball family and how this went from something that I felt never was going to end, and now it's like, wow, that was two years ago. And it, yeah. it's, it's very much like with LeVar Ball on TV every single day or, or LiAngelo getting caught in China stealing from luxury stores or whatever, LaMelo going off to what, – what country did they go to again? Lithuania? Yeah. Was it yeah, where, where they played, yeah. Lithuania <coughs> and, and just some of the – stuff that followed and it, it, I guess the good end of the story is Lonzo is at the very least turned out to be a pretty formidable player like that I first mean, yeah, year he's a player yeah. well NBA the player. expectations were so high for him I think because of LeVar yeah and not just LeVar it was also I think because Magic Johnson upon meeting Lonzo Ball or, or showing him around the Staples Center is like we want to have your number in the rafters and it's like yeah next to Magic and, and Kareem and all these people Holy like that's shit. a that's a stretch, but I think the the good ending to the story is Lonzo's good. Lonzo's in a good spot where now he has a, a decent looking future in the NBA. Yeah. 
and going off of your point about their business practices, we can say what we want about, yeah, the money and, yeah, whatever, but they were marketing masters. Like, to build this company from nothing, like, how, how many years ago? Like, probably five years ago? Right. It's to, like, yeah. like, LeVar, like, yeah, a lot of people hated LeVar. He said a lot of outlandish things, but that was what his marketing was. That's what he branded himself as, and it got him publicity. Like, every day, you couldn't turn on SportsCenter without LeVar saying, my son Lonzo is, you know, better than LeBron already. And it's like, okay, well, no, he's not, but or you're that, still hearing Or that LeVar was better than Michael Jordan. Yeah, like. Oh, my gosh, I forgot exactly, about yeah. that. Yeah, never lost, you know, like. Never lost. Like, you, you can say what you want about, you know, the business and everything. They were marketing masters. And, like, like, I like what you used earlier when you said it's the end of an era. And it's a weird kind of era in basketball, but it, it, that's what it is. It's an era. Speaking of, going back to what James said, that summer, summer 2017, from, I guess, when the March Madness tournament ended all the way to the him season started, him, yeah. that media tour that Lonzo, LeVar, the whole <laughs> big ball that brand had was absolutely fabulous. I will <laughs> always remember that oh, in yeah. my heart. That will be the greatest uh Kind of transitioning to another business that's, that's struggling. <laughs> struggling. <laughs> struggling. Yeah, sticking to struggling. USA uh, Today reported Wednesday <clears throat> that the AF majority owner Tom Dundon said the league is in danger of closing and says an agreement is needed between the AF and NFL Players Association in order to allow teams to loan pr- practice squad players to help. Dundon said in a quote, if players at union is not – going to give us young players we can't develop a league Dunner told us sports today we also are looking at our options one which discontinued the league as well my question you guys is it worthy changing the policy in the nfl to say the american uh, alliance american football league or is it without worth saving all right before i start this conversation can i have can i just make a confession sure go for it I have watched less than 10 seconds of the AAF. I'm not going to lie. I, I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, I've seen it on social media. I haven't seen it. I haven't sat down and watched a game. Yeah, I haven't I, watched a game since, like, week two. And I'm very disappointed in myself because I was like, oh, more football. I hope you watch <laughs> the taste of that awful Super Bowl out of my mouth. And instead, I, I haven't watched anything since. I watched one game. It was with the kid from the NIU that's the running back for Salt Lake. That's yeah. right. about Jola, it. Bunyan or Bunyan, well, however yeah. you say it, yeah, my bad. He's actually a decent player here. So. I mean, he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing well. I mean, in order, like, obviously they need this deal to. I mean, they say they need this deal to change the league. What they have to do is they have to make the deal beneficial for the NFL, because the NFL is not going to just sign on this league and make it, you know, a minor league system unless they see a benefit in it. So, like, because at this point, I'm pretty sure there's no player that was in. You know the AAF that made it, that is signed on the NFL yet? Like I'm pretty sure that's well. The season's happened. not over yet, but I'm yeah. sure down the line, some, like there'll be some players coming out of it. Yeah, that NFL and teams like, will say, "Hey, get this guy to our practice true. squad or something." True, but like in that. in order to get that deal with the NFL, like the the NFL is a business and they're going to do what's best for them. So they have to the AAF has to do what they can to make that deal beneficial to the NFL. And if they can't find a way to do that, then I don't see any. Why wouldn't the NFL let them fall like they did with the XFL and what they'll probably do with the XFL again when it comes back? But More football, yeah. <laughs> like, the NFL has a monopoly on football, and they're going to do everything they can to keep it unless they see a benefit in signing, you know, helping out the AAF. I do like the idea of the NFL having, like, if they just adopted the AAF and was, like, made the team's minor league sort of farm systems for NFL teams. So the NFL – say 
a team wants to send a guy on their practice squad that they want to see film of, like in a game, in a situation, they can send them to the Miami Express or yeah, whatever yeah. Their, their, their minor league affiliate in the AAF would be and see it there. But I, and I think that's the only way the AAF sur- – I think he's right because that's the only way this league survives. This isn't a league that was really made up to generate a ton of revenue. And in a, in a league like football – like in a, a, a sport like football, that's what I think really matters. And you can see that in like the NFL and, and how they d- have done business. They generate, you know, billions of dollars yeah. every year They're because it's makers. an expensive sport in general. You have the largest roster out of probably any of the, the major sports besides maybe baseball. Uh, you have, you know, probably maintenance fees and things associated with the stadium, stadium fees. traveling and things like that. Imagine having to take, take three guys on a plane with you. Ooh. Plus oh, yeah. your coaching that, yeah, staff. Yeah, I was about to say, you have a huge coaching staff, too. And, not and just that's just some of the, the things off the top of my head. But And then to turn around and not have things like t- like big money TV deals in place. And they weren't going to get big ones in the first place, but to just kind of tell other networks like CBS and TNT, hey, you can air us for free. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's not shocking that they're having financial trouble. Another thing that seems apparent to me is why don't you have this already pre-set up or try to negotiate before the season starts? Why jump in headfirst and like, oh, we're three weeks in or four weeks in. Hey, maybe we should talk to the NFLPA and like, maybe we can get a contract going. It it is weird because they have a deal with the NFL Network and they 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 have to have some sort of partnership with the NFL if they have the NFL Network on board to show their. Uh, games, but I didn't hear anything in the preseason or or in the formation of this league that it was going to be a straight up developmental league, and and the NFL does better when there are developmental leagues. Uh, the NFL, NFL Europe produced a lot of uh, future NFL talent. Uh, the XFL, when it was around that one season, a lot of guys ended up going on and getting signed to the NFL, and some of them had, you know, really effective careers with the teams they got signed to. So I think it, it now it partially falls in the NFL. They wa- I w- if I was the NFL, I'd want to see this league succeed to some extent. Is America ready for more non-NFL, non-college football? Football? Wow. <laughs> I mean, football, that may football. be one of the issues, too. And it's also just an issue of spring football is always tough because you're getting guys. It would benefit having practice squad guys because practice squad guys have been practicing all year. You're getting in spring, you're getting guys that have been off and not signed really all year, except with a few exceptions. I know some guys uh, in the AAF are just coming off NFL rosters, but most of them uh, don't have that opportunity to kind of uh, get accustomed to, like, get back into football shape right away. So, and I think the, the AAF has a good idea in getting, trying to get practice squad players onto the teams, and that's why I think a partnership with them would work out well. Well, James, I think it's time for your uh, your favorite part of the show. It is. It is time for the briefs <laughs> and uh, kind of go back to the NFL. The first brief is on uh, the Arizona Cardinals. The new Arizona Cardinals coach, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, told the media Tuesday at NFL meetings in Arizona that he is implementing a cell phone break policy within the Cardinals for meetings. Uh, Kingsbury said the team will break every 20 to 30 minutes to you know, allow young players to regain their focus. He says it was effective in college. He went 6-6 six and six his last season at Texas Tech. 
My question to the panel is, what app do you think Cliff Kingsbury uses the most? And I have the answer, but I, I want to see if you guys answer. have it. You said app, right? Yes. App. I got it. He definitely is a Chipotle kind of guy. So he, Chipotle. He's definitely Chipotle the kind of guy. Chipotle. So he goes yeah. to the Chipotle app. I just downloaded it myself not that long ago. Okay. Goes to the app, gets his order uh, before he even goes to the store. He his rewards points, and he just comes back to practice when the players are done with their uh, their break. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say weird. I think he's really, like, into food. So I'm going to say the Food Network. Does a Food yeah. Network. Do you even have an app? Yes, they, they have do. to have an app. They do. Oh, wow. I have an app. I don't have an app. See, maybe I'm just going too obvious with this. He seems like a Twitter guy to me. He seems like, a, you know, he's younger. Younger head coach, always on Twitter, recruiting players, retweeting his players, checking out what they're doing, making sure they're, you know – Doing what they're supposed to be doing. I, I think he's got to be a Twitter guy. I, I'm disappointed none of you got what I think the right answer would be, which is indeed. Because how do you go from six at Texas Tech getting fired? You have oh to hop on hop on the old job search board to of some head sort. Coach of the Arizona and, and you Cardinals. find the opening of, of Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals. Which team had their their, their head coach? <laughs> Central, Central Michigan. That was Central Michigan. Michigan. Was that football? Yes. Central Michigan football coach was on Indeed. And, and in fairness, I'm pretty sure some other schools had, like, assistant jobs. But, yeah. like, just straight up It see, was just funny to see straight up the Central Michigan football coach. We need one. Like. That's good. That's a good one. Uh, going on to the next brief, uh, Kobe Bryant was on the James Corden show Tuesday night. I like the James Corden show. It's pretty good. And he's playing a game that – because uh, you guys share a name. Yeah. And, he, and he's also that's, funny. That's he's, got not, he's got a funny accent. No, it's because you guys share a name. That's yeah, it. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, he played a popular game on his show, Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts, and the dilemma Kobe had was this. He had to rank himself, Michael Jordan, and LeBron from best to worst, or eat a cow tongue. And uh, in the end, Kobe decided to rank himself first, Michael Jordan second, and LeBron third. And so they had... Uh, their own rankings, and and I guess we have to have it here, guys. Rank these things from most appetizing to least appetizing. Uh, first, we have chicken's feet, which is a, a East Asian delicacy, uh, blood sausage, or century-old egg, which is not actually centuries old, but it is uh, months-old egg with a mixture of clay ash and and quicklime. And just so we're clear, this is Kobe Bryant, not our Kobe, right? Right. Yeah, right. Okay. I, James Corbin doesn't like me that much. Corbin, <laughs> rather. That's why I doesn't like me to say his yeah. name right. Jeez, man. I'm just going to go with chicken's feet. I like chicken, and <laughs> I can imagine their feet probably taste as good as their legs. So. I know some people who have had chicken's feet, yeah, and apparently it's awful. not terrible. Where'd you so find is that most? So you're saying most appetizing Yeah, chicken. oh, I'm supposed to rank them. Yeah, oh, rank them. Yeah, yeah. You got to Chick- rank them. Oh, in the way that you said it, chicken's feet, blood sausage, a century-old egg. Just the entire description. The a fact that you needed egg. a description for the century-old yeah, egg that shows you how bad that yeah, is. Yeah, you got a good point there. Yeah, I'm going to go – I'm, I'm going to switch up. Just, I'm going to go blood sausage one and then chicken feet, and then you can you can keep that egg. That's, that's going last. You know what? I'm going to do it with the – I'm going to go with century-old egg. I'm going to try it. Why not? Like, Wait, can you cook it? It's not a matter of if you want to try it. It's what is the most uh, appetizing. Fine. It's you. the most appetizing. I'll say it. Okay. I'll, just re- come on. God. It does look really bizarre. Justin, I have a picture here. I'm a, bizarre, is, I'm a bizarre guy. Justin this is, is interested in this thing. I'm, I'm now, a, keep in mind, this is an audio-only platform, so you guys <laughs> can see try, this for us. Yeah, I'll try my say. best to describe it. Basically, yes. imagine an egg, but the yolk is a dark green, <laughs> and the, the actual white of the egg is transparent, but it's like brown. Oh my God. Okay. It is. It's really gross. I would go. Uh, I don't. I don't want to eat any of that. 
I'll move on. And by the way, I'd go LeBron, MJ, Kobe. Oh no, no, we're not. We're not Next that's another day. Uh, uh, speaking of speaking of a uh, uh, foul play, I guess. A uh, bizarre <laughs> incident happened yesterday at ESPN offices in Bristol, Connecticut. A turkey vulture flew into a closed window, uh, got stuck between the wall and the glass. Thankfully, later the bird was freed and uh, is reportedly okay from from people at the company who were just. Totally had their day sideswiped by becoming the news because a bird flew into the office uh, window of Stephen A. Smith. And my question to the panel is, what Stephen A. quote would be your reaction to a turkey vulture flying into your window? What I would have paid to been to have been there when that happened, because like, A, you know sadly, Stephen A. He's Stephen sitting A, there. Just, Stephen A. was not there, but. Oh. Uh, but that if you been. were Stephen A. and you were there while Turkey Vulture flied into your window, what would your reaction be? Man, I don't know if uh, I gotta go with like the classic like blasphemous. <laughs> that is just blasphemous that that just happened. You know. You stole mine. I was gonna say that. No, nope, I beat you too. That's why you go first. Uh, I, I'm gonna say, just uh, man, I didn't even think of one now. <laughs> uh, give me some examples, someone. Some oh, there's examples. gotta be some good ones oh, out yeah. there. Some classic Stephen Some A. Classic Stephen A. No, 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 no. <laughs> Watching the bird fly. It's just <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. In slow motion, he sees it just heading towards him. Mine would be, this is one from his radio show a few years back. He just goes, oh! <laughs> he just yells into the mic for a solid minute. <laughs> oh, man. Here's mine. He's looking, at the tur- he's looking at the turkey flying in. He's a bad <laughs> man. Oh wow! Did you Justin, get one? Are you, you stuck? No, I stumped stuck. you. I took your blast. Yeah, you did. That was like I was hoping you were gonna go to me at first. I know it was just blasphemous. I'm I don't know. Take that from you. you see that turkey out there? My friend <laughs> Turkey came back to see me after I traveled the world doing everything for ESPN. Oh, <laughs> I host man. a radio show, the TV show, then I go to NBA game to sideline Turkey. I have news for you. I have a confession to make. I am a chicken. <laughs> I'm a straight <laughs> punk. I'm quack, quack, quacking. <laughs> this is getting off the rails. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Well, there you have it. There's oh. our second headliners for the semester Ooh. so far. Justin, thanks for joining us. Too bad you yeah, couldn't think you. of a Stephen A. quote. Yeah, we're just going to leave you at that. Just think about that for the rest just you know, us forever. Just give us your favorite Stephen A. quote. Just Who is Stephen A., it. Justin? I'm pretty sure he's on first take. Okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I'm, pretty <All> right. sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's uh, on first take. To be honest, all right, fine. Uh, my favorite, I just looked it up. No one tells me what to think. I think for me. Okay. Oh. <laughs> he tells it to the turkey. No one tells he me what to think, you turkey, turkey vulture. While it's, stuck in the, while it's stuck in the window. Oh, man. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Remember to check out northernstar.info for our latest content. James, Jace, Justin, the Jays. Peace out.